Ciao, this is Giuseppe Camuncoli, a.k.a. Camo, from Italy, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Wow, Mark. Every time I say something with a little bit of a different inflection, you react in. I, I guess so. I guess, I guess so. I just, I'm used to it being so rote and now you're just blowing me away with diction. Well, you know, after we got called out that one time all those months ago for being so predictable, I, I like to change it up, Dan. Man, your inflection is just scaring me. Okay. <laughs> so get on with the show. Of course, we want to thank you for joining us for this special episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and all of our podcasts and that they provide an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and for this episode, we will be discussing uh, our potential essential Spider-Man comic of the week. Uh, this week we'll be discussing – this is a, a Dan Gavazdan choice, so if you don't like it, blame him. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to play that game. But, you know, my, my essentials are better. Um, but no. <laughs> you also had first pick, let me just say. I, I, I understand. Uh, and, 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 you know, Dan, to his credit, is kind of definitely going a little bit outside the box with this choice and in a good way. Uh, we're going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man number 617 and 625, separated by eight issues, but basically the same story. Uh, both written by Joe Kelly with art from Max uh, Fiorama. Uh, then we'll be reading your comments and emails and then going through our Flash Thompson's Flash Reviews, Puny Paca. I, I want to say, for, I, I, on the last episode, I said that he sounded like he's from Queens. I take that back. Listening back to it, Flash Thompson is very much a Bostonian. <laughs> Listen up, Puny Paca. <laughs> this, a, is a wicked, a Yorker, this is a wicked bad review <laughs> As a New Yorker, Mark, I'm surprised how Bostonian he sounds Well, for, well first of all, my, my wife and my in-laws are, are from the Boston area But second of all, as my wife, who's like a master of diction For what it's worth, speaking of diction um, She will point out to me that the, the Brooklyn slash New York accent That you know I you know, act out most of my life is actually quite similar to Boston. It's just the Boston, they, they drop the ass. So um, other than that, it's actually the same thing. Yeah, just well, saying. I mean, that, that, that's saying that you're doing the impression. Clearly, we have Flash Thompson on this show with us. Right. Well, well he, he's sitting, he's in the back room of my apartment right now, hanging out with me. He's drinking a beer. I'm oh, telling him okay. to go easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but, clearly, he's not taking your advice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, everybody, if you're listening at home, if you hear this sound, 
Please be sure to check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. And there's going to be a ton of images, so keep your eyes out. Um, but enough about all that. Let's get right to it. My choice, Amazing Spider-Man 617 and 625. Dan, did you just tell our listeners to pull their eyes out? Did I? No, you said keep your eyes out, which oh. I, still, I don't even know what that means either. I guess I meant just keep your eyes open on the screen because you're going to see a lot of beautiful pictures. But you said keep them out, which meant me feel like, oh, let me just take those out, <laughs> put them on, on the side of this if, table here. If your eyes are out, make sure you put them back in because we don't want you to be damaging your body. Like it's just some like weird stick stuff from Daredevil or I, uh, whatever. Yeah. So Dan, why, why don't you tell us why you made these choices? Amazing Spider-Man 617 and 625? Sure, I'm happy to. Well, you know, just to give a little context, these issues um, take place during the Gauntlet storyline um, that ran basically – would you say it's basically the end of the brand new day era? Yeah, because that all led up to the the Craven story, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned that there's kind of a weird thing that they're separated by eight issues. And um, I will admit that that's kind of a strange thing that we don't see very often. Um, these two issues that seem so of a piece separated by you know a number of issues from each other. And um, I'll get into that a little bit later. But this is a period of time in the book where all of these different – uh, various villains from Spider-Man's life, all of his big major villains, were kind of coming back and being revamped in, in a way. Um, and this is after Spider-Man himself was kind of rebooted and, um, and revamped. And I think that's kind of what's most interesting about this period uh, of the book is that it was kind of like this weird shockwave effect of, you know, post One More Day where – Having, you know, Peter having been revamped and facing all new villain, uh, villains, we finally got back to the old villains who were going to get similarly revamped as Peter Parker. Um, but what makes this story b- beyond just how well written it is? Because do you agree with me, Mark? That this is one of the better written issues of, of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, absolutely, no argument. Yeah, um, you know that could be enough just to get it kind of noticed on our essentials list. But what makes this uh, particular story so interesting to me is that I think this is Joe Kelly's um, sort of stamp on or his like kind of meta commentary on the One More Day um, uh, storyline and what was done to Peter Parker. And I'll I'll lay it out here that um, Alexi, who is the rhino, in this story his life is presented almost like a mirror to Peter Parker's life from before Brand New Day. He's happily married. He's grown as a character off of all of his personal history throughout the years of the comic. Um, and, and that change in his life that we see in this book is sparked uh, by Civil War, just the same way that Peter's was. You know, This One More Day was sparked by the decision he made during um, Civil War. And both these characters are were walking down paths that would eventually lead to their stories being reset or even negating all of that character growth that they've done throughout the series. And, um, and this story is just peppered with um, 
these kind of parallelisms uh, between these two characters. And so the reason I think it's essential is I think this is finally the book kind of commenting on what was done to the character um, through a kind of weirdly roundabout way. But um, it's, it was, this to me was the shining light of the brand new day uh, reboot. And so to me stands out as not only uh, you know, a writer's kind of meta stamp on what's been happening, but also the peak of writing from a very interesting era of Spider-Man comics. So that's why it's essential to me. That's 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 some some good reasoning, Dan. I didn't even think about it from that vantage, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, there are so many things in this book. Like Alexi even says, like, uh, "Alas, Miss, I am an original." Like referencing that, you know, he his story remains the same, and it's about to be. You know, he will always be the Rhino, and this this will never change, despite what writers are trying to do to them. The same way Spider-Man will always be. That, you know, Peter Parker character, despite all the changes that go on with him, there will be like a, a reset point. And this book is very much about a reset point for the Rhino. I just think it's handled so much better than Peter's reset was. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, no argument there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Dan, I, 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 I like this story a lot. I, I, I think this is a, a rather, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound glib, but rather courageous choice from you uh, to, to, to lead off with this just because, you know, when, when you talk about like essentials, I mean, you know, I mean, I know we took those five books off the table, but um, you know, there's still like a lot of uh, kind of obvious choices out there and we'll probably get to most of them uh, before it's all said and done on, when we do the series. But, but this was definitely one that, you know, would not, have made my list immediately, not because I don't think it's a good story, but I just don't, I don't think about it in the, on the way that you do. Um, but that's not to say I disagree with you either. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, I just, it just never kind of struck me. I, I've always seen this as like, Oh wow. Joe Kelly is really good at writing, making characters who are otherwise kind of one note and one dimensional, very sympathetic. I mean, Joe Kelly, before he started writing Spider-Man, uh, I mean, I would say his claim to fame is his run on Deadpool in the 90s. And, you know, Deadpool prior to that was just, you know, he's a Rob Liefeld creation. So he's all about the, the guns, the pouches, and the ninja knives. And, um, you know, Joe Kelly kind of came on and, and within the span of like 33 issues, I think it was, including one issue where he like goes back in time quantum leap style and ends up in an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Did you it's, know about yeah, that? Yeah, it's one of the best issues of that book. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so Joe Kelly also clearly has a grasp on Spider-Man history. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, to me, the Rhino has always kind of been one of the, the more one note rogues, uh, for Spidey. You know, I, I never really kind of given them a serious look. And this, this is a story that changes that. I mean, like flowers for Rhino changes that too. And I always, I sometimes actually confuse those stories because they're kind of both of the same vein in terms of trying to make Rhino into a more complete sympathetic character. Sure. Um, but but I do think this one's probably better executed, and it's better because it's more within the the continuity of Spider-Man itself, uh, whereas Flowers for Rhino is almost kind of its own thing. Yeah, um, I mean, this this book very much ties into the broader story that's going on. I mean, there's references to the Grim Hunt, and uh, this is right after Spider-Man, or I mean, Peter Parker got fired from the Bugle for doctoring the photos of yes. J- Jameson. Um 
Yeah, um, you know, and, and, and definitely. Although I gotta say, like, I think of all the characters in this in this story, Peter and slash Spider Man is probably the one I'm least interested in, which is funny. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I guess when you when you bring it up the way you do about in terms of kind of like you know the parallels and kind of like looking through the other end of the mirror here, um, it, it does make you consider Peter more. But I mean, to me, this is this is this is all about Alexi and and his arc. Um, along with, you know, with Oksana, his wife. And then there's like, you know, I mean, and then the 625, the second part of this, I mean, a lot of this is actually narrated by Nora Winters, um, which I actually have some issues with because I feel I, I, the, 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 the POV in that, in that story is a little too over the map for me. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of feel like Spider-Man is a v- very tertiary character in a lot of this, in this storyline. Uh, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think he has got a, a significant page count. I mean, there are full parts where he's going and looking for work and, and going and connecting with all of his, uh, you know, all the members of his, like, you know, his friends and, and his right. coworkers and stuff. Um, but there's a moment in this that I think makes it an essential Spider-Man story where, not to get too far ahead, but the rhino, like, lays the death of his wife at Peter's feet Yes, and and says this is your fault, and I think it's such an essential part of Spider-Man storytelling the the idea that like you know Peter, no matter what choice he makes, he's going to be responsible in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the first issue it ends on such an optimistic note, and I think it's a really wonderful kind of like way to end a story. Uh, um, and a way to end a Spider-Man story, but like anyone that knows the character knows that that's just not going to be the end of it. You, you know what I mean? Like, the, you know, you hope for the best, but this this poor character, the inevitability of his of his doom, you know, comes to us several issues later. And I think I don't know about you, Mark, but just reading this when it was being published, you know, it was heartbreaking to me to receive that issue later because I didn't expect for it to come. Uh, you know, and I and I got this new issue, and it just tore my heart out. And I think yeah. that time, like you know, those whatever seven or eight issues was the key uh, element in in making that so devastating. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's it's a good point, and it also does give like the idea of their of their time being pat of passage of time, which I think is sometimes lost when. You have an arc that's you know successive issues, and it's an interesting strategy. I mean, and, and like you said, I, I, I think from an, an emotional standpoint, it, it got it got more of the message across. It's still always odd to me though, because it's just hard to you know. Sure. I mean, we think we think in such linear terms when it comes to the narrative. You know I, mean, I mean, credit needs to be given to Steve Wacker for you know arranging the Grim Hunt stuff. I mean, there were some of the best stories. You know, Spider-Man stories in that storyline. I mean, I think almost all of them are excellent. Yeah. Because um, then and, we get like, we got another Roger Stern Juggernaut story in there, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, who would have thought? I've always I always liked that Wade Electro story. That's in that's part of these Gauntlet issues. Power too. to the people. Yeah, yeah. Or I think the that's a, Sandman story is very good. Yes, yes. As you know, <laughs> not to not to keep circling back, but I think that's another reason why I sometimes. Get, why this story wouldn't leap out to me necessarily for this list because I think I also, in addition to confusing it with Flowers for Rhino, I think I also confuse it with the Sandman story because mm. there's kind of an equal kind of like, you know, this emotional 
you know, this kind of pathos for a villain that, you know, you don't normally get in Spider-Man comics, you know, where, where Spider-Man almost kind of takes a backseat to what the villain is going through. Well, what, what I think um, the gauntlet did so wonderfully is provide just a series of, like, grays for the villains. Like, they all became fleshed out in a way that many of them hadn't been before. Like, I can tell you, I never really cared about the rhino until I read this story, and suddenly the rhino was a far more interesting character to me. Yeah, makes makes all their payoffs and ends of the earth so much less satisfying, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the fact that ends of the earth references this story, like yeah. it's just like I'd rather you just not. Like don't right. don't don't mix up your story with this this wonderful rhino story. Um but yeah, I mean there's so many things in this that I think are very interesting. I mean, if you think about it on in a in a grander context, there's a line where um this new rhino um, basically is speaking to Spider-Man um, that he needed to destroy uh, – remind the old rhino. He says, because animals carry nothing with them and he needed to be reminded what he truly was. Um, and to me, this is almost the rationale that the editors of the Spider-Man book were applying to Spider-Man, that you know, uh, that Spider-Man is better when he's carrying nothing with him. And that he needed to be reminded what he truly was, that getting rid of the MJ marriage is, is a reminder of what Spider-Man should, should truly be. And, um, you know, and as aggressive as this new rhino and out of nowhere as this new rhino is, I feel like he's almost a representation of the editors during the time of, of One More Day that, you know, they wanted to literally force this character and remove the skin from him. You know, so that they could be reborn, and um, and uh, you know, we won't give up without a fight. You know that that old rhino, the people that care about these new characters and new status quos won't give up without a fight. But you know, perhaps our fight comes when, only when it's too late and the yeah. changes have already been made. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just th- to me, like I read this book and it was almost like a cathartic moment for me. Yeah, no, I I hear you. I mean. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say you're overreading it because I, you know, it, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I just, I again, I've just never truly seen it on that level. I mean, I guess because I just kind of assumed that everyone who was part of the brain trust of the Spider books at that time was on board. You know, like like to me and and you know, not not to spoil or anything, but you know, I think at some point we're gonna get to this. I mean, like I feel like Matt Fractions to have and to hold is kind of more of the statement, like the middle finger to. The editorial mandate with, sure. with with the marriage, but that was literally written like the month before one more day was published, so it felt more it, it, it was less subtle you know and like it, it didn't take as much interpretation i mean it just it, you know it's, it's more admirable in terms of its wow, they did that interesting that's interesting. Uh, well let's talk about this character yeah. osanka yeah I, I I really enjoyed. Her introduction, because you know, you, you know, we 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 talk about um, some of the female characters that have been introduced in Spider books in recent years, and you know, kind of this like, are they too perfect kind of thing? And and um, you know, here she comes, and she's kind of got this like, you know, swagger and aggression to her, and but you know, he just you know, he being Alexi, just kind of coolly blows her off. 
and then all of her vulnerabilities come out. And I, I just really liked that, that, you know, it, 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 you know, it was all just, all just a front from her, you know, it was actually very MJ ish. If we're going to keep going with these parallels. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, but you know, she even has an element of Gwen. If we want to reduce Gwen to her seminal moment, um, you know, in the second book, she gets, you know, brutally killed, but, Make no mistake, it's on the same bridge that Gwen died. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that's definitely intentional. But yeah, this character, you know, reading the first issue, she just melted my heart and made me really care about her in one issue or even half of an issue. That little backup story, which I think is just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, maybe this issue stands out to me because I've never felt so emotionally betrayed by right. a, by a storyline, um, but even for Spider Man, this victory that he has, how often do we see him rationally talk to a villain and just say to him like, you know, it's better Don't for you. It. Don't do it, and have a victory where he convinces someone to not be a villain anymore. Right, um, but of, and of course that has to come back and slap him in the face, cause, right? Because he cannot have because Spider Man. And, and, you know, and when we talk about, you know, we, in our last episode, when we were talking about the, the Jerry Conway story, I was kind of rambling about, you know, Spider-Man being kind of made to look inferior sometimes. But, you know, when you talk about this, like, you know, the Parker luck and this no and, and his his lack of ability to win, I think this is more what what I relate to with this character, not not this perpetual loser, but like this idea that even when something seemingly goes right. You know, it's kind of like that that O. Henry twist. Something goes wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 you can't just it can't just be right for Peter. Yeah, it's a shame that we don't have more uh, comics to include on our essentials list because I really wanted to include the uh, what happened to Crusher Hogan story oh, because yeah. I think that has one of the all time, you know, no choice is a good choice for Peter uh, moments. Um, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think that is the essence of the Parker luck. Um, yeah, yeah. Not not you know he's out in out in the streets in his underwear. Yeah, a bagman costume maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the art in this book? I mean, Max. Oh, it's so great. In, 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 what else has he done on? on I mean, was he? Did, did he do many arcs during this time? I, I don't even remember. Yeah, for some reason I want to say he did Grim Hunt, but I know that he didn't. Um, this might be his story. I didn't look into it, but yeah, I mean, this guy and Marcos Martin, I would pay top dollar to read their Spider-Man books every week. Yeah. Well, they probably can't do it every week, and that's why yeah. we'll never get it. <laughs> um, that, that's, I, the shot where the rhino returns for the first time, it's just so terrifying. Yes. Oh yeah, no. I mean, there's the, the, just the emotion just ripples off the pages in with with his art here. I mean, it's 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 really, like you said, it's very it's very similar to Martine in terms of this, just that ability to convey so much in just a single panel. Sure. So, um, uh, Mark, is this an essential? Have, have I convinced you? Or well, can I talk about one more thing? Sure. Um, you know, I, I know we're trying to be efficient. But um, so what's up with with Nora in this story? Like, 
you know, I know she's kind of been around at this point, and it, like, there's kind of like, I guess this, I, I I find her problematic in that I feel that she's kind of coming at Peter with this like MJ esque swagger, you know, like ask me out, and but like we're really not supposed to be rooting for her because she's with uh, Randy Robertson, and, and so it's like, but then they put the store the six twenty five like a lot of it kind of comes from her. Like she's kind of like writing the story as as the the comic is unfolding, you know, the story for the um, what is it, Frontline at this point, or or um, what paper is this? It's I think she's still working for the Bugle. Is it okay? I, I despite the fact that it got destroyed. Right. Okay. Well, point being is this is just a, to me this is a very odd character to me. Like I I. I you know, are we supposed to want to see her be with Peter? Are we supposed to be repulsed by her and think she's gross for for being so, you know, into herself? Um, but then why is she kind of like telling this story? And also, like, I felt like the way her narrative went in in that final issue, you know, there were moments where it was clearly coming from Nora. And then I just think it was like it kind of, you know, and I love Joe Kelly's work on this story, so I don't mean this as mean as it sounds, but I feel like he got a little lazy in trying to maintain her voice. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's a tough balance to ride yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cause this is such a, like you say, a gut wrenching story. Yeah, uh, it is a strange, uh, narrative, uh, device to use given that it wasn't in the first issue. But I mean, do you have any opinions on Nora? I always liked Nora purely because, you know, Peter became weirdly, sexually active in in like kind of like kind of a different way than he'd ever been before. I think it's them trying to kind of make use of the fact that he's no longer married. Um right. and I kind of like that about Nora that she kind of comes on to Peter but doesn't seem fully invested in her come on to him. Um like she's just kind of a flighty like I'll do what I want kind of empowered person. Um and it shows in her reporting too. She's kind of like a very like devil may care. I'm going to get the scoop, you know, th- that I want to the point that she even like followed Norman Osborne down into that underground prison, you know. Um, right, right. And it had some, you know, it definitely like came back to bite her in the butt. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of like, you know, MJ shows up briefly in this issue, and she's kind of like, you know, I don't want to hear from you right now. Yeah, uh, that that that. That really frustrated me. See, I love that. I think it's great. Um, See, like, like to me, if if you're gonna bring the character back only for her to be like, I'm, you know, I'm done with this drama, then don't bring her back. That's my attitude. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it reflects more on Peter than it does on MJ. Peter, you know, he has no one to go to, you know, and so he goes to MJ, his ex, you know, fiance. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I'm still hurt. So like either come back into my life fully or or don't, you know. Yeah. No, um, I, hear I I think at least if you're going to go with the Peter MJ being separated, it felt like an honest, you know, reflection of the character rather than this kind of like I'm going to go to the cafeteria and she'll lecture me on, you know, how I'm behaving and inspire me. Like if they're going to I feel like if you're going to do that, then just have them get back together again. Yeah, like, that's fair. This felt like a more honest human relationship. No, you're right. You're right. 
Um, now, going back to what you asked me about, do I think it's just essential? You know, again, like, I don't know. I don't know if you asked me 20 times over to pick 10 issues, if this would ever come up on that list. But I can see see where you're coming from, Dan. So I'm not going to, like, argue against it necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, And I would certainly say from this era of comics, it's probably – it's definitely the be- pro- one of the best stories from this run. From from post one more day, I mean, you know, like you can pick nits about, you know, do you like this one or or the um, unscheduled stop by Mark Wade or or you know what I mean? Like it, it this you, you can go a couple different ways, but um, but I, I I like I like the the insights that you that you that you brought out here, the parallels, and and I, I can see where you're coming from. I again, I just don't know the way I read Spider-Man and kind of like the affinities I've developed, if I would ever reach for this story in a short list, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I brought it up is it's just so different from anything else that we're probably going to say. It yeah, doesn't no, fall back into familiar iconography, like Peter lifting things, you know, right. it's something wholly new, like him convincing someone to not become a villain. Um, so, I don't know. I I thought instead of going with something familiar, you know, and what this might be is that through our process of doing this, Mark, you and I figure out what to us the word essential means. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if I would choose this to be essential, but I know that when you say you ask me what are my favorite Spider-Man comics, this one is one of them. Like it yeah. stood out to me as something very unique and different. So in a way, this might not be my essential pick, but it's – um. It's one that I wanted to put out there to challenge what we consider to be essential. Well, sounds good to me, Dan. I'm glad you brought it up, and you know, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Great. And again, if you haven't read this, please go check it out. All right, Dan. Well, let's get to some comments and emails. Alrighty, it's that time of the show where Dan and I read uh, any comments uh, that you left for us on our iTunes and Stitcher accounts or any emails that you sent to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. In terms of comments, of course, you can uh, find Amazing Spider Talk on iTunes or Stitcher by searching on Amazing Spider Talk or just Spider-Man. We come up pretty quickly. Uh, And when you do that, subscribe, leave a rating, and leave a comment because that's the best way we grow our audience is by having all of you wonderful people out there uh, shower your praise or or maybe your mediocre reviews. Uh, We hope not. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know. Just to just to show why we encourage it, um, we're gonna we're gonna read a couple of things, but also you can you can tweet at us with the hashtag uh, OK to print. Um, and Dan, uh, you're still running your contest, right? I am. It's gonna be one more week. Uh, it's gonna end on May seventh. So if you want that copy of Amazing Spider-Man number seventy two, which is again sitting here right in front of me, staring at me in all of its Stanley John Romita Senior glory. Um, please be sure to leave us a comment by May 7th. Uh, so speaking of comments, Mark, why don't you get our first one done? Yeah, this one is by M underscore past 79. It says awesome podcast, five out of five. I always look forward to the next episode of AST. I'm a huge Spidey fan and these guys know Spidey. Always an honest and intellectual conversation about our favorite webhead. 
Awesome. Thank you, Empath79. Our next one comes from the famous Captain Marvel191. And uh, the title of this review is Best Spidey Podcast Ever. Five Ever. out of five. That's, like a, that's, that's very uh, Bostonian. It is Bostonian. Um, <laughs> is Captain Marvel based out of Boston? I don't think so. I don't think but, so. Although Carol Danvers sounds kind of, <laughs> you know, oh, it's Colonel Carol. <laughs> anyway, so Captain Marvel writes, my husband is a huge Spider-Man fan and has been listening to your podcast since it was Superior Talk. So that's a while back there, Mark. Woo. Woo. Uh, I started listening a few months ago to learn more Spider-Man knowledge and have better comic book conversations with him. I recommend this to anyone who likes Spider-Man and wants to stay up to date. So Look thank at us, you. Dan. Look at Listen, us. Look at us. We're, we're, we're bringing couples together. Aww. I like that. Me too. Uh, this is a really charming uh, comment. Yeah. And our last one, Mark. Speaking of couples, this one is titled Face It, Tiger. I just hit the jackpot. Four out of five stars by me, Doe. Doe as in Homer Simpson saying, Doe. Uh, and me writes, this is a great companion to the comics. Love the snarky opinions and I learn a lot of little factoids to forget later. I like to binge listen to the older cast and ultimate stuff. Only four stars because I expected a mention or two of the other Spideys outside of the comics. I'd pay to listen, but I'm broke, working on writing it off as a charity or just cutting back on titles for a month. I will be a merry marcher. Anyways, it's a very good Spidey cast. Enough said. Thanks, Mido. Although if I, if I can have a snarky opinion that you like, uh, what other Spideys do you want us to mention? Yeah, I mean, do we, would we need to talk cartoons? I don't watch the cartoons, Dan. Yeah, I don't either. I, I, um, although, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we get a new one coming soon because uh, – Maybe I'll tune in or something like that. There's not a yeah. lot. There's not a lot to talk about with the movies once they're already over. And we did have that conversation with Jerry Conway about Amazing Spider-Man Two. So yeah, that's one of my favorite things we've ever done. Yeah. So um, me, Doe, if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that Amazing Spider-Man Two uh, review. Yes. Or you know, just clarify what you meant. You could do that too. <laughs> Shoot us an and email. Then- Yes. Um, and speaking of, we, we, we had a comment on Twitter from our good friend, uh, Dennis uh, Mercier, uh, and he wanted to know who our favorite Spidey sidekick was and our options. We have options, Dan. They're Alpha, the Spider Kid, or Frogman. I'm going with the Spider Kid. I love the Spider Kid. That's all- a great story. That's like a you – know, that's, that, that's a Falco friends run, man. There's just all these like little little gems that we don't talk about. We well, could probably just do an essential DeFalco friends. He, or is he that Peter two, David? No, he has two stories. They're DeFalco De friends. OK. He has two stories, I believe. Yeah, because it's a crossover from Spectacular, right? Or, yes, there is a crossover from Spectacular. Yeah. Always my favorite because, you know, it makes me have to read a B book. Uh, what about Frogman? <laughs> I'm a fan of the Frogman, Dan. I got to tell you. I mean, um, you know, he, Frogman shows up a bunch in, in Marvel Team Up during the JM Demetrius run. And you know how I love me some JMD. Um, and then, um, you know, like, I, I remember of all those, like, Spider Island spinoffs, there was this, um, that Spider Island Avengers one shot. Yes. Uh, with Frogman in it, which I thought was one of the most brilliant things ever. That's what actually made me a huge Chris Yost fan. It's a shame that, you know, I kind of lost my love for that after um, a, a superior team up. Um, 
but yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna say Frogman. All right, all right, and I think just to be clear, it's definitely not Alpha. No, uh, Alpha doesn't exist. Alpha is the Rocky Five of Spider-Man sidekicks. <laughs> it didn't happen. So speaking of Rocky and boxing, yes, I did there. Let's 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 talk about our Flash Thompson's Flash reviews. <laughs> I got Flash. He, he, Flash, I had a couple, one too many beers hanging out at my apartment. So I'm just going to do the intro, if that's okay, Dan. Yeah, go for it. I'm sorry better. that I brought him all the way over here, only for him to fall asleep in the corner. Did he vomit uh, or anything? What's that? Did he vomit or anything? Yeah, no, well, not yet. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but yeah, so for for those who are unfamiliar with the format, Flash, uh, our Flash Thompson Flash reviews are are short little looks at the Spider-Man B title universe. Uh, so basically, all the ancillary titles like Spider Gwen, Spider-Man twenty ninety nine, etc. Um, and because you know we don't want to be droning on and on like you know Puny Parker at a science experiment. Uh, each of these reviews is going to be limited to one minute or less. Um, emphasis on the less. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Dan, uh, do you want want me to start things off here with Spider Woman number six? Yeah, I'll give you the countdown. Okay, hold on a second. Let me let me get my clocks ready to go too, just in case you know things happen. All right, I'm good. Okay, let me give you the countdown. Three, two, one. So Spider-Woman number six, uh, we know how much we love the status quo reboot of the last issue. Uh, well, now that we're two issues into this, this is almost resembling Superior Foes of Spider-Man to me. And I mean that with the highest praise possible. Uh, it's kind of like a capery, you know, I almost feel like the soundtrack to an Ocean's Eleven movie in the background. Uh, but it's also filled with like these street level quirky characters and very silly interactions. You know, there was the, and, we, and Dennis talked about, Dennis Hopeless talked about this in our podcast, the using a cup of uh, soda cup to eat his bowl of cereal and then being made fun of it by the porcupine, who, by the way, shows up and drag in this issue so what's not to love about that uh <laughs> then you're kind of knowing about the booby trapped garage i mean it's 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 very fast-paced fast movie very silly porcupine and drag what's not to love fan club certified wonderful mark all right and i'm gonna count you in in three two one i'm not even sure this series has anything to do with spider-man and his universe anymore but i really don't care this book is beautiful, and it makes me jealous that we can't have Javier Rodriguez on Spider-Man in some regard. I love this kind of low-level take on superheroes that's starting to gain traction at Marvel. Spider-Woman is now my favorite book on the market, and with the amazing cliffhanger that this book ends on, I can't wait to read more. During Spider-Verse, some might have said this book was hopeless, uh? but I'm calling it Fan Club Certified. Wow, you, 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 you lose – I'm going to deduct 10 seconds for this poor use of pun. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but you still made it plenty of time. All right, good, good. All right, next up, we have Ultimate Spider-Man Miles Morales number 12, the final issue in the series. Mark, I think you and I are going to agree on this one. Yeah, I think so too. All right, let me count you in in three, two, one. 
Yeah, Dan, you know, you you were the one who sold me on the Ultimate Spider-Man universe all those years ago when we first started this. And then you started selling me on this Miles Morales kid after I read through all the Peter Parker issues. And I was mostly on board with you, but boy, oh boy, was this a really disappointing end to the series, especially if this is the last Ultimate issue, which might might be the case this time, although they tried to kill this universe about 300 other times, it seems. Um, this This is the definition of an ending being attached with a rivet gun. Uh, there, there is just no proper build. Nothing mature, you know, maturates in a proper way. Um, again, like like I said last time around, I, I I don't never bought into the stakes. What's going on here? Because the whole Miles and Katie thing, I do not care about. But thus, I really don't care about Hydra. I think Hydra is just very poorly characterized, very one dimensional. I mean, I almost want to see them all have like mustaches that they're twirling. Uh, they don't even use Doom in a, in a good way. I mean, it's freaking Doctor Doom, and, and, and he just seems like he's just there. Uh, again, it, I just don't understand where the where the lack of build was for this. This was clearly something that was being thrust upon Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, I hope he gets another shot to write this series or this character, because if this is how it ends, um, what, what a waste. Um, and I will feel very bad. So, puny Parker for me. Mark, you want to guess how much you went over? Oh, no. How much? 20 seconds, buddy. Oh, no. I know. You really lost it. we got to come up with some kind of penalty for you. Oh, God. Well, t- take 20 seconds off my next one. All right. Will do. I guess it was my intro because I had to like talk about all the stuff that you've done. <laughs> all the terrible things I've enacted on you. All right. Well, we're going to take 20 seconds off my 2099 one. If I, and if I'm going, you got to just cut me off. That's the rule. I will, cut you off. I will cut you off. Just say, Mark, stop. And I will do Dan, stop. Um, all right, but I'm going to catch you in before I say Dan, stop. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one. After nearly 250 issues, it is sad that, like Seinfeld, this series had to go out with what might, what might be its worst issue. This book is a compilation of all the bad habits the series has had since the introduction of Miles, uh, compiled in just one issue. Namely that Miles is yet again subjected to a larger-than-life threat that does nothing to explore the character, and the way he gets out of it is through yet another overpowered power that comes out of nowhere and essentially renders him the most powerful character in any universe, let alone the ultimate universe. I'm hoping Ultimate End can wrap up this universe in a satisfying way, but I equally hope that Marvel will just leave Bendis alone instead of forcing editorial mandates on him. This is sadly Puny Parker. I just want to say I'm still ashamed that I'm the one who went over so far. <laughs> oh, Mark. Oh, God, let me get off my soapbox. All right. Well, All right, Spider-Man you got 40 seconds for this one. So. All right, I'm going to make it quick. All right, Spider-Man 2099, number 11. Go. Okay, so Peter David came through on his word that he was going to bring back the storylines from when this book started. And I think he did a decent job bridging the gaps, uh, reminding us of some of the circumstances behind uh, the first three or four issues of this series before it became Spider-Verse. Uh, I actually forgot that Tempest had cancer, which is w- weird. But, you know, Mikhail's care for her is well done. And plus, there's still this looming menace of the maestro in the background. Uh, which sells the drama of this book, even though he doesn't even show up here. Also, one last thing. I actually think that Peter David made the Parker Industries' pursuit of the prison more compelling than what Dan Slott has done in his own book. Uh, so take notes, Dan Slott. Uh, so uh, Fan Club certified. All right, you did it. <laughs> 
Ooh, boy, Mark, you're uh, falling off the wagon here. But that was 40 seconds you stopped me at, right? I did. Okay, okay. So I would have – I had one more sentence to say. I would have gotten it done in less than a minute. All right, all right. Uh, three, two, one. I wish I liked this story more, but wrapping up a dangling plot thread that I didn't care much about in the first place, and it sounds like you didn't either, Mark, isn't enough for me to celebrate. It's basic comics 101. Even then, when Mel- Miguel does cure the cancer, he's the creepiest dude imaginable. He hovers over Tempest's bed while she sleeps. That's just gross. I enjoyed the fight with the spot, if only uh, because of the artwork was kind of horrifying. I mean, all those arms coming out, all those holes. And I'm glad that Peter David added some gravitas to the Parker Industries deal. But turning Tempest into a monster, that was the snore of the week. Puny Parker. Ouch. Yeah, I we feel like that- we're going to be more brutal on, <laughs> on these books with this kind of binary thing. Yes. I kind of like this. Okay, well, maybe, maybe our main review should be that. It'll be the shortest podcast ever. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Why don't you take us home, Dan? Absolutely. Well, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a rating or a comment to let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. The same goes if you have any opinions on these comics. You can email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and we'll read those as well. Yeah, and be sure to check out our Facebook pages at Facebook.com slash SuperiorSpiderTalk and Facebook.com slash ChasingAmazing because they are great places to keep up with us in between shows, to see which articles we've written, breaking news about the Spider-Man universe, um, want to send us a message, want to meet for coffee, whatever, man. Facebook. That's where you do it. Yeah. I've actually met up for with coffee with several people. Yeah. You know. Weirdly and by coffee, enough. we mean coffee. Yeah. Nothing, no no hanky-panky. Oh. Uh, also, don't forget to check out our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club that helps support our show. Uh, our theme song, the great, great theme song, is courtesy of Ryland Bojack. And our great, great, great outro song comes from Magic. Dan, where can I find you? On the internet. I bet you could Google search me and I'd come up. But other other than that, yeah, there's a kind of goofy photo if you Google search me of me in like spandex with a headband from like when I was 18. I don't know. It continues to like surface to the top. So go enjoy that while stabbing your eyes out. Uh, I'm going to Google search on images. Well, there's a lot of Dan right there. Oh, boy. Anyway, you can it's, also it's you and you and a hat. Oh yeah, I, I do wear hats every now and again. Mark. Anyway, you can read my Spider-Man writing on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or contact us through Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk or follow me on Twitter at at Dan Gavazdin. How about you, Mark? Can you peel yourself away from weird images of me? Yes. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, yeah, you can find me at www.chasingamazingblog.com, uh, on Twitter at ChasingASMblog, and find my listicles at comicbook.com. Speaking of coffee, Mark, uh, you know, I, I heard you were getting a cup of coffee the other day. Yeah, you know, Dad, I, I just finished up my, um, my term at Rikers. <laughs> and, what did you, you get know, put away for? I have to know. <laughs> um, uh, 
tax evasion, you know, all those donations that we're getting in. I, I forgot to claim them. On both my, both uh, you and Blade. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I shared a cell with Blade. Um, and also Willie Mays Hayes uh, from Major League. Um, but um, so anyway, so this is diner that all the inmates from Rikers go to once they get out. And uh, there was this kindly gentleman working as a waiter there. But, you know, I, I just wanted some some pie. You know, for some reason, I always wanted to get the dessert first. And uh, you're not this, alone, Mark. I know. Apparently not. But and that's the thing. This waiter just starts like he's, he's talking rather fresh to me, Dan. I got to tell you, like, I was just like, whoa, like what? what is he's coming out a little strong here? And, you know, it was like, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm, I'm not going to fall in love with you. Um, and then I looked up and it was my Uncle Ben. And that just made it really weird, Dan. No, that is awkward. That is, that is, that is more <laughs> but I don't awkward. Think, but I don't think he recognized me because I got out of prison. I had a long beard and, you know, it was it, – it, so that morals. Is, that, that is far more awkward than I was prepared for. <laughs> well, the moral of the story is once once we all realized what went wrong, we're all like, whoa, sorry. Oh, you know. Good to see Uncle Ben. He's like, yeah, man, I, I don't know what came over me. But, you know, all I can say is that with great podcasts, there must also come amazing spider talk.